0: I've never used to eat the kids meal. So, you know, on, on like some menus, it would be like fish fingers and chips and stuff for little kids. And I was always like, absolutely not. I'm not having that. I want one. Everyone else is having one to try new things. Go to weddings and there'd be like kids food on a little table. and be, no, I want poached salmon with the adults. And I had so many picky friends who were like, oh, I won't need that. I won't eat that. I was like, no, I'm going to be the guy. Who Eats Everything. You are listening
1: to Made of Human, also known as The MoPod, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. MoPod, trying to find out Mo-Pod. how to do life. MoPod, but it turns out Mo-Pod. nobody knows. MoPod. I'll be absolutely honest with you, I have recorded and deleted approximately 12 uh, snippets of audio where I say something along the lines of, hi, thank you for listening, ah, fuck, and then I press stop, and then I start a new one where I say, this is the intro and outro for Ed Gamble to my, to my editor, Dave, uh, to, you know. <laughs> and, and, now, and now I'm considering doing it with this one again. I don't know why I'm suddenly like, M- muddling muddling it's like m- meddling i don't know why my words aren't coming out of my mouth it's just one of those days you know it's one of those days and i thought okay i'm going to do it now regardless of what comes out of my head i am going to just keep recording and i'm i will get through this intro and this outro i don't know why my brain isn't working but it's just not it's just not i want to not ramble too much in this episode, I want you to uh, just enjoy the chat I had with it Gamble. But I do want to plug one big thing. Now, obviously, uh, I, I did my last tour show of 2019. The next one will be on at the end of January in Farnham. And then that's going to continue until June. So, of course, go and get your tickets for that. But I have put on, and this is so exciting. This is so exciting. On January 10th, right, uh can you even think that far in advance? I mean, I know you might be listening to this in in the future, but if you listen to this on the day this comes out, January 10th. It just feels so far away, especially because we have an election coming up on the 12th. And my God, my God, my God, my God, I hope, I hope you vote Labour. I really do. Please, if you can, please, just please. Well, I know there's... I know there's a lot of bullshit within the labor party but let's just let's just get let's just get elected and then let's just win and then we'll deal with that I promise I know it's contentious I know it's I just I just really need us to win this so we're not all going to just die in a fucking capitalist nuclear explosion of shit of shit we cannot have the Tories in, please. We just don't want the Tories in. Anyways, that's not what I wanted to reveal. I'm going to hope that on January 10th, oh, we're we're under a Labour government and we, we're dealing with all this shit. And everything will be fine. And we'll all be fine. and Everything will be fine. And then on January 10th, where we might be under a Tory government, in which case you're going to fucking need this show. You're going to need some cheering up the show so Jess Baker who's been a guest on this podcast actually most of the people i'm about to talk about uh, have been on the podcast if not all of them actually maybe and uh so Jess Baker is american uh is, is from the us and she's coming to london and i was like oh we should do something fun and i think mostly when normal people say we should do something fun that means i oh, don't know go to the movies but apparently when I say, let's do something fun, I'm saying, let's put on a show in a 900-seater venue. Uh, and that's what we're doing. The Union Chapel in London on January 10th next year. Uh, at the, I just said that, at the Union Chapel. Me, Jess Baker, uh, Megan Crabb, you know, Buddy Pussy Panda, jo- and Jolie Bishop, <laughs> the uh, uh Jolie was um, the person, the dancer that... Uh, Megan did her entire tour with. So you'll know her from Instagram. She's amazing. Uh, Christelle Rasmussen, uh, Tom G- is who's also Tom Glitter, who was a guest on this podcast, uh, a drag queen. Glam Rue, who was also on the podcast, who was also a drag queen. Uh, Travis uh who was also on this podcast and got, I don't know, like a, a standing ovation for every sentence they said. Rosie Jones, who was also a guest on this podcast, uh, an incredible comedian, Michelle Elman, who you might know under her name, uh, not scared. She was also on the podcast and Scotty, who's been on the podcast twice. So basically (laughs) all my friends, uh, all our favorite guests from this podcast, we are going to do a show. I think Megan's going to be dancing with Jolie. Jess is going to talk about, uh, fat liberation. I assume Christelle Rasmussen, I hope is going to sing, uh, I've never seen Row do any of their uh, drag before, so I'm very excited to see that. Travis, oh God, I don't know what Travis is going to think of. With their, if you've seen their show Burgers, oh, you're going to want to see them on this. Rosie Jones is so hilarious. Michelle Ellman, I think, is going to talk about body positivity. Scotty, I don't know, but it's going to be brilliant. It's just going to be an amazing show. Imagine all of... Oh, my God. And then um, Smash Lynn Monroe is going to be on. And if you should go to YouTube right now and search for Smash Lynn Monroe. She is extraordinary. Uh, and I think she's going to do burlesque. And it's just going to be... I'm going to be hosting the show. It's going to be phenomenal. So please come. Um, you can get tickets on theworldisonfireshow.com. Because the show is called The World is on Fire. So let's do a show. Uh, you can also get it from Union Chapel's website. I also have a link from my website, com, uh, And also I'm tweeting about it all the time. So do go and get your tickets. It's already, by the time of me recording this, half of it's already sold out. So you do want to go and see that. That's just what I wanted to plug. Uh, now I'm just going to let you, just going to let you have a, have a listen to me chatting to just one of the nicest and funniest people in the comedy industry. Please enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Ed Gamble. So for people who might not uh, know who you are, do you want to just introduce yourself?
0: Yes. Hello. I'm Ed Gamble. I am, I'll just say comedian. I think people feel like they need to add too many extra things on the end of it now. I think comedian covers it. Yeah. Yeah. Comedian. Comedian. <laughs> comedian. Uh, live, um, uh, occasionally not live, in writing. Oh, comedian. Yeah. See, I'm this already the... feeling they need to add things. Yeah. People don't think comedian's good enough as a job title.
1: I feel like that's like an insecurity as well. You're like, yeah. no, it's No, it's fine. All fine.
0: It's fine. That's all right. Fine. Just a comedian, guys. Pure, pure comedy.
1: So I th- when I th- one of the things I've started asking people, because I think it's quite interesting, you know, when you do chat to people, like if we'd had this conversation yesterday or a week ago or in a month it would be a completely different chat because you know you this is like right now in this very Mm -hmm. moment that where we are these two people having these things happening in our brain so i just want to know like throughout the next sort of hour where are you at right now like emotionally in your life like what's the kind of filter you we kind of see you through in this hour
0: i'm an awful podcast fodder but, but i'm Pretty well. <laughs> That's sort of the opposite of you. Can't, there's nothing really to dig into at the moment. I'm very sort of happy in terms of where I'm at, uh, career-wise and and personally. They've all sort of dovetailed together quite nicely. Um, so yeah, I don't really. I mean, I've always I've always been one to sort of say oh, I've got nothing to complain about. I've always yeah. been that guy. I will never complain about anything because what a ridiculous life you get to lead if you're doing comedy as a job. But yeah. Yeah, I mean broadly, I'm very happy about everything.
1: <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I think people are kind of desperate to uncover some sort of dark side sometimes, especially yeah. with comics. I think they they want that yeah, but, of a clown thing, right?
1: Yeah, but also because most people have something. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: quite a lot of comedians do, and uh, I don't, I don't think I'm one of them necessarily. <laughs> I have, you know, I have bad days or like moody days but it's it's moods rather than anything more serious
1: it's no deep mental health yeah
0: if if it can if it can be solved by you know a trip to the gym and a big shit so i don't i really don't think it can count the true mental health issue
1: please write a self-help book yeah <laughs> this is what you do shit.
0: <laughs> and i've had a haircut today and that's put me in a good mood
1: that's very lovely yeah do you like go to the i
0: love it i love a spruce up
1: yeah just a freshen up do you up. do the um do you get the uh, get, scalp massage? i get my
0: hair washed yeah but I go, so the barber I go to is also a comedian, Paul Sweeney. Oh my God, I haven't um, seen him for years. Who is lovely yeah. and is doing comedy again now. He stopped for a while and became a barber and is a very good barber and I've been going to him for years and he's such a nice man. We have such a lovely chat. It's weird to have a friend rub your head, but we've got over that hurdle now. So yeah, <laughs> I feel great after that. Get a friend to rub your head.
1: That's but also head. if you want like a free scalp massage, mm. what you say is, oh, I've been looking for like um like a hair mask, I just don't really know what. And they'll go, Well, oh, we have one. I'll be like, Oh, I don't know about that. Well, let's just try it on. And then they have to. <laughs> but put can it you on do that? Every,
0: do you need to go to a different yes. place every yes. time? Yeah. Always
1: oh, flee. Flee <laughs> <laughs> from the scene of the crime. like you wouldn't at... run away from, from the same restaurant, right? Yeah. From the bill. You wouldn't do that.
0: So now um, you're getting your haircut like, outside c- cereal, of the cereal really well. yeah. <laughs> uh, so
1: hairdresser. So if we go back, where, where are you from? Where did you grow up?
0: So I grew up in southwest London, so I was born... Oh, really? Where? In, yeah, uh, so Wimbledon.
1: Oh, nice. So I
0: born in Hammersmith, lived in Wandsworth for a bit, then moved to Rains Park, which is near Wimbledon, went to school in Wimbledon, lived there until I was, like, 18, then went to Durham for university, then came back, lived in southwest London for years until about three months ago. Now I've moved to further east. So, yeah, pretty wow. much southwest London for my entire life, yeah.
1: What's that like, like, when you, like... Is it, the, is it the same as when you grow up in the suburbs where in the weekends you go into town, but you just have a shorter way in? Or were you just always hanging out? I was in like... always
0: hanging out in Wimbledon, really. Yeah. Especially those ages where you can't go to pubs and stuff. We used to, I mean, this sounds sad now thinking about it, but <laughs> we thought it was so cool. Um, our school was like on Wimbledon Common. And we used to go onto the Common opposite the school and just get pissed on Friday and Saturday nights. To the extent the headmaster lived above the school and had to do an assembly about how we weren't allowed to drink under his window anymore.
1: <laughs> is that like a personal vendetta? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's nothing to do with the school. Like I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> but I think it's weird looking back on it doing that. Like, why, why would you go near your school on a weekend?
1: Oh, testing boundaries, yeah. not you? Been, yeah. Like, it's trying to be a real yeah. bad <laughs> Yeah, by bad drinking bad a
0: can of bitter near your school.
1: I remember we went to the mall. That was our place. The yes. mall. It was like... Ten shops with like a roof over. Yeah. That's where we'd go. And then sometimes we'd go in the uh, break between classes.
0: And hang and, out in the mall.
1: And then we'd stay. And we'd like totally miss math. What? Whoa. Whoa. That's crazy. That was it was, so, it was so hardcore. All the other kids were like, we need to get back to class. We're like, oh, oh yeah. Or <laughs> well, maybe you do. <laughs> but we're cool.
0: The thing. Well, I, I occasionally did things like that. And you'd get that rush of feeling like I'm so cool for doing this. And looking back on it, teachers couldn't have given a shit, could they? Yeah. they did don't care. Just
1: really tired. It was yeah. Like, and they were like, probably what, like our age now.
0: That, that always blows Isn't my it so, mind. it's so strange. Because I think about the teachers and I know they didn't look like they were 70, but in my mind, they must have been 70. Yeah. The our age and younger, like people are starting like early twenties to teach. Just think how horrible was I? To mm. these poor people my mm. age just
1: because we assumed we would never reach that age ourselves. Yeah, of
0: course. And you know, never be a teacher. Absolute dweebs, we would have thought back then.
1: <laughs> Standing in front of people like that.
0: <laughs> but now they're doing an amazing they're doing an amazing thing. And we, I mean I was absolutely treating them like shit. I was an horrible, horrible person. Were
1: you in a clique? What what was it a old boy school or was it a Old Boys
0: School? Yeah. Um I was in a clique. No, I had a I was sort of in the uh, I think most comedians would tell you the same thing, sort of, sort of on the fringes of the cool group. Like, I definitely... Uh, here's how I describe this to people. I got uh, invited to the parties, but I didn't get invited to the gatherings.
1: <laughs> What's the difference? What's a gathering?
0: So, this is a very... This, this is what you need... This is, okay. a lo- this is English co- school culture. Okay, right? go on. So, the parties would be, like, big events where, like so-and-so's parents have gone away for the weekend they've got a free house Mm. everyone over Mm -hmm. you know we're going to have a big blowout party Uh, so I was invited to those but then there'd be occasionally you'd be like oh what are you up to on the weekend and someone would be like oh um, I'm going over to so-and-so's house Um, This was just a gathering Uh, that mainly meant like boys and girls going over to like hook up and stuff or maybe people are sort of new couples all hanging out together but if it was a party get Gamble involved gathering ruins the vibe <laughs> uh,
1: so would you would you, so you would just sort of I don't I can't I can't imagine how boys school how does it do well, you not just get like is it like a frenzy of testosterone and hormones and just like
0: I mean luckily it was a day school I can't imagine what a boarding school would have been like oh god no like at least we got to go home at the end of the day and sort of relax a little bit
1: realize women exist then. yeah exactly <laughs> Senior yeah woman. Yeah. God, mother, I have missed you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there you are, mother. I mean, which in itself, I'm sure, has its own problems. That yeah. Your uh, only female contact of the day was teachers and mum. <laughs> but, yeah, it was... I don't know. Obviously, I don't think of it like a testosterone-fueled atmosphere. But, yeah, it must, it must have been. The, I think I was pretty chilled out at school, though, you know. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I was just uh, fucking around. Like, I didn't really...
1: Were you good at it?
0: No. I So, I was good at... Uh, the first school I went to, and like I was top of the class, and everything, and then I went to the next school, the one in Wimbledon, which is like highly academic and because I couldn't just sort of coast and be at the top still, I was just like, "Oh no, I'm happy to just relax and be b- between halfway and the bottom of a good school i was, that's absolutely my brand as well. <laughs> if I can't easily be the best, I'm happy being the middle and then sneering at the people at the top going like hmm, if you want to try
1: <laughs> so there's no pressure for you to be mm.
0: no i didn't th- i didn't feel feel pressure like there was a big thing of like you know going to oxford and cambridge it was all that sort of public school thing but i just never
1: Where did you where did you go durham okay
0: which is which uh is... good good university good. Okay. <laughs> But, like, nowhere near Oxford and Cambridge levels, even though they really want to be. Oh. And a lot of people who go there are, it's considered a place you go if you couldn't get into Oxford or Cambridge. And quite a few people, we used to laugh about this, a lot of people at Durham used to refer to uh, Doxbridge.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is the saddest <laughs> is thing. It's
1: like, not I'm not even from this country, I know yeah. it's not a thing.
0: You know, you know Doxbridge. Durham, Oxford and Cambridge are three best. <laughs> oh no, guys. No, that's so sweet, but no
1: okay what did you study what did you study philosophy why i
0: enjoyed the idea of it yeah I, uh i did it at a level and really really enjoyed it um weirdly it's worked out that i think it's probably the closest degree you can get to qualify for a career in comedy yeah that, yeah because it's the history of thought and yeah. it's mainly building arguments um and I just thought it was fascinating. Like, I like the idea that uh, you do have to learn stuff, and you're mainly, you're mainly studying texts and things like that, and learning about specific philosophers. But I like the idea of the, there's no particular outline. You can come up with your own ideas within, within what you're learning about. I, I like that.
1: That's amazing. Do you find, do you, like, what do you take from that in terms of comedy? Because I find that like, the, the people, like, my, my first boyfriend was really into philosophy, and that made him incredibly annoying.
0: Yeah, I never, I was into it in that I, I wouldn't sort of bring it out at social events. <laughs> like I think some, I think people are into philosophy and then there's people who like the idea of being seen to be into philosophy.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: I liked doing all the reading, but I wasn't going, I'm going to remember that quite and I'm going to say it to a girl. Like I, <laughs> that was never my vibe. <laughs> like I, 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 enjoyed knowing about those things and I enjoyed reading about it, but I didn't, I didn't keep it up. I wish I had kept it up, but I did a lot of like sort of ended up specialising in ethics, which is all the more discursive stuff, really. Because we had to do logic and things like that as well, which is basically maths with words, and no way. No? No, that was a huge panic in the first year when they were like, you have to do this logic thing. And I was like, Did no one tell me about this? I thought I was going to be sitting around in a thick jumper on a pipe, discussing ethics. This is awful. So I got rid of that as quickly as possible. Yeah.
1: Did you know at that point you wanted to do a comedy?
0: Uh... No, but, but I probably did, but not. I wouldn't have said that. So I, when I was at school, the Cambridge Footlights came around and toured their show to the school theatre. I'm quite bosh. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, I saw that and I was like, I didn't know you could do this sort of thing at university. It was like as funny to me as any, any professional comedy I'd ever and seen. And
1: Footlights is... Is, I, is that not just sketch or is that also stand-up? So it is, it's, sketch, it's sketch, but they do
0: stand-up as well, but not okay. in the touring shows. Ah, uh,
1: okay, okay, okay.
0: Um, so they do like, they have these things called smokers where like every two weeks they do a big show where you can audition for them and oh. then people do stand-up or they do a sketch or right. they do like a monologue or whatever. Um, and I saw that and I was like, oh my God, this this is incredible. Um, so I did apply to Cambridge off the back of that and then realised you can't just apply because you want to do comedy. <laughs> You do actually need to know a lot about the topics as well. Um, so I didn't get in. But then when I went to Durham, there was like a sketch group there. And I was like, oh, cool, there's a thing here as well. So I knew I wanted to do that at university for fun. And then afterwards, I might as well give it a go. I sort of feel like I've stumbled into comedy. But yeah. I, think, I think most people feel like that.
1: I definitely feel like that. But yeah. I also I didn't even know it existed until a certain moment. And then once I knew, it was like, this is amazing. But then it was, from then on, it was driven by. Like love yeah. and passion yeah. and need and desperation to be on stage. Yeah. But is that did you have the same thing or were you just sort of, oh now now I'm doing it?
0: I just enjoyed it. Like, I just really enjoyed it. I don't think it's ever been characterised by a need to be on stage. Really. I just love I just love doing it. Like now, I'd rather not be on stage a lot <laughs> a lot of the time. It sort of gets to that tipping point, I think, where where you're like, okay, well, I'd, I'd like some nights off from it now as well.
1: It's part of it. Is it the, sort of the same thing you said with um, with school about? Because when you're when you're a good newbie, you're easily one of the best yeah. newbies, right? Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly you're amongst. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, yeah. You've you've, done your, your peers are all the yeah. Sort you've of done same your debut then, show, yeah.
1: And then, but then from then on, you're just in the same pile as all the ones who've been going for forty years, and suddenly you're not yeah. the best anymore.
0: And that's. And that's when I think some people make the mistake of just either trying to do stand-up wholly or purely and getting to that point where they're like, well, I'm just doing what I do. Why, is, why am I not accelerating past anyone anymore? Or you just learn to enjoy that and learn to live with that and then also start doing other things like podcasting. and Comedy opens up so many ridiculous opportunities because people assume that comedians can do loads of other stuff within the arts, which quite often we can't. but
1: (laughs) But, it's so strange. Yeah. Do you want to act? What? Pardon? I I mean, sure, but I'm, I'm really bad. And there are people out there who I think can do it. Well, yeah,
0: I I did one. So when I, before I even went to university or when I was still at school, I thought I want to be an actor. That's what I wanted to do. And then discovering the realities of a career as an actor. No, thank you.
1: You, A lot of waiting around. A A lot lot of waiting around. Doing what other people are telling you. Yeah.
0: And auditioning, I think is the most horrific thing I've ever done oh god I've never had I've never had a good audition
1: but you have auditioned
0: oh loads loads
1: it's the worst I hate it I had one where the casting director I was really giving it my all and she went oh yeah that's amazing that's incredible that's so good um okay let's do it one more time and this time how about you try acting oh god I was like oh yeah okay oh no <laughs>
0: it's just awful isn't it and every single one I've done I've come out and thought if I'm ever in the situation where I am auditioning someone for something Mm. I'm going to slap a smile on because I know they've got to do it all day and I know it must be difficult to muster up any enthusiasm when someone's clearly rubbish as I obviously (laughs) am in all of these but just slap a smile on and give a little chuckle when you're supposed to (laughs) because it's so painful so I did oh blimey (laughs) (laughs) I went to <laughs> LA like two or three years ago and did like a month in LA doing auditions and uh, and some of those...
1: Oh my God, a whole month.
0: Some of those, they like leave you waiting for an hour and a half over where when you're supposed to be in. And then you go in there and the, it's just a, like a, a casting assistant and yeah. just a little video camera. And they're clearly knackered they want to go home. Mm. I did one where I had to learn pages and pages and pages of scripts and then there was a dog in the casting room and that dog fell asleep. <laughs> You like that sums it up. Really. Did you it? go to
1: the the fox, lad? Uh,
0: yes. So I did, I've done all of that, walking around, and that's fun.
1: I was like, this is yeah, this is amazing.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. But i like I should have just taken a tour, like a tourist. Yeah, it
1: yeah. to. <laughs> feels special. Like, I'm, no, I'm d- here for yeah. the tour. Uh, Sorry,
0: I've got a meeting <laughs> where a guy who will not have this job in yeah. two months <laughs> does not remember my name <laughs> and doesn't know why he's meeting me. Is just trying to fill his day and justify his job.
1: And then that. Uh, there's no, they don't deal with people who are realistic about it. They deal with people no. who have, well, even just to deal with people whose dream it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, I flunked, very much flunked that audition as well because I couldn't do an American accent. Oh, God, yeah. absolutely could not. And the, Afterwards, I was just like, oh, you, she was like, oh, I'll call you. I was like, don't worry about it. I was like, I, like, I know, I know it's not going to happen. And it's absolutely fine. Like, we gave it a go. And she was just like, no, don't say that. No, they no, can't, no, they don't, don't
0: understand that. No, they Americans, think that
1: I'm like having a breakdown. I'm like, no, no, yeah. no I'm fine. No, like,
0: no, I'm just, I've just lived in Britain for a while. Yeah. This is the attitude.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: they do not understand it. Like, I when I was in LA, like, you always undercut yourself, right? Because that's, that's yeah. the way things work here. Yeah. Yeah. And every Uber driver and Lyft driver is someone who's there for the entertainment industry and they're just earning some extra money for that, fair enough but they're always, I had so many people being like, here's my Instagram follow me on Instagram, what do you do? I'll be like, I'm a comedian, I've got an audition just going to an audition and then like, oh my god you're going to kill it? And I'll be like, I'm not a very good I'm actor and, then, yeah. and I remember a guy looking at me in the wing mirror and just going, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're not a good actor? You can't say things like that. Oh. Like, yeah, you're not seeing me act mate, yeah. I'm bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> I actually think I could do the job if someone just gave me the job, but no one's willing to...
1: Yeah, they don't want to take the risk.
0: I did a thing where I I wrote on Greg Davis's sitcom for two series, uh, Man Down, which was great fun, loved writing on it. Third series, I wrote a character, uh, basically for myself, um, and then Greg changed it. He made it have a long beard and a very high voice. Um, So I was like, right, okay. It's clearly (laughs) taken the piss. He was like, but that's your part. I went, oh, great. Then I got a call from the producer going... Channel Four, do you want do want you to audition for this as well, yourself. for to play this character that has already been given to you, but you've written yourself? And I swear that audition went so badly, I nearly <laughs> lost that part. Because all I could think was, what if I what if I mess this up so badly that I can't even remember my own words that I wrote?
1: Is I, it like when the doctor tells you to breathe, and you're like, I, yeah. forget uh, how? I have to it again. before in my <laughs> life. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, bad at auditions, so I couldn't, couldn't do acting, I don't think. And maybe one day I'll nail an audition by accident and I'll do the job. So, I've done actory things before, but just I like being myself.
1: Do you want to do comedy, like stand up comedy, for forever? Do you have anything you want to do that's not comedy?
0: I feel, I, I feel like I've got enough sort of strings to my bow at the moment to want to keep doing all of them. So, I'm touring at the moment, which is great, but I'm really looking forward to writing a new show because I've been touring this for ages. Mm. Uh, and really enjoying it still. But I don't think I would want to keep doing it if it was the only thing that I was doing. So mm-hmm. I do a radio show as well. I do a podcast. I'm doing another podcast. And I just try and... As long as I'm collaborating with other people in different things, then, yeah, I don't see why I should, you know, need to stop doing stand-up anytime soon.
1: Talk about Off the Menu.
0: Um, so it's a podcast. I, it's just Off Menu, by the way. No, oh, it's not there? No, the, Off Menu. Everyone does that, don't worry. Um, it's,
1: it's a, like the Sex and the City. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: It's a podcast I do with James A. Castor. Uh, it's about food. We chat to a special guest about their dream meal, basically. Go through each course in punishing detail and make them describe what they would want for their dream meal. Uh, and then really, some of them really take them to task on it. Because some people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and like, pick insane things. It immediately gets my back up. If we have anyone in who's like, ah, oh, I, I don't really like food. You know, I'm one of those people. It's just a fuel, you know, keeps me going throughout the day. I'm just like, well, well then what are you thinking what about all day? Yeah, go away. Like <laughs> what, what, what's in the forefront of your mind all day? What the task you're doing? Are you crazy?
1: <laughs> but you, you must have a tricky if related with food because of you've had to, you have to think about it a lot because you yes. have diabetes. Yeah. Right? Cause
0: I'm type one diabetic. So I do have to think about it a lot, but I almost think that's to my advantage sometimes because, yeah, I, I think about it a lot and I can't just eat everything all the time. Everything that I want to eat all the time. Sometimes I need to think, well, maybe don't have that today because it's going to have a knock-on effect later on. So I need to plan it out a little bit more. But I can still eat everything. But you know, I just, you know, I'll be hungry after this. I won't go and get a pizza because I'm like, I've got something to do later, and it'll mean I have to control my blood sugar level, and it might go up really high, and I'll feel really tired. You know, so I just need to keep an eye on things. Yeah. But I love talking about food.
1: But I've heard, I have, I've heard a few people now say, and all of them have been women, who talked about off-menu in a way where they were like, it's very rare to hear people talking about food without it being a negative thing or a scary yeah. thing or a dangerous thing or a, a being about weight or control or sure. health or that it's just, what do you like? Why do you like it? Yeah. It's about the time you enjoyed it. And there's a lot of women who have told me, like, oh, yeah, it's just, you just get to just...
0: Well, it's, it's, it's celebratory. That's what, you know, everyone, everyone should, <coughs> should enjoy food. The people who like, like it is fuel. Fuck you, weirdos. <laughs> um, it's a celebratory thing. It's brilliant. Like, I don't think, you know, it's nothing, there's nothing to feel guilty about there. And we've had, we've had some great chats with people. And it's attached to memory so much. It's such a wonderful thing that's attached to so many, so many different memories. And you're right. There's so much discussion about about food, and it's so intertwined with with health and what you can't have and what you shouldn't have that people need to just be talking about what you can have and what, what you get excited about. And, yeah. And it brings people together and it's a communal thing. And I think yeah, it's good. It's have a, you
1: always had that relationship with food or did you have that before you got diabetes or before you found out you had diabetes? No,
0: I've always I've always loved food. I've always loved food. You've
1: never had guilt or shame?
0: No. So I so I used to be bigger than I am now, but I actually think having type one has made me enjoy food more because I need to think about what I eat and when I eat it so I can pick the things I like and I can think about what I really like rather than just eating everything all of the time, which was great as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I've always, I've always loved food. Always. Like I, uh, and I've said, I've pr- probably told every story on off menu, now, <laughs> um, but I've never used to eat the kids meal. So, you know, on, on like mm-hmm. some menus, it'd be like, you know, fish fingers and chips and stuff for little kids. And I was always like, absolutely not. I'm not having that. I want one. Everyone else is having one to try new things. Go to weddings and there'd be like kids food on a little table. And would be no, I want poached salmon with the adults. Like, I think I always saw it as a sign of being grown up as well. Trying as many different things as possible. And I had so many picky friends who were like, oh, I won't need that, I won't need that. I was like, no, I'm going to be the guy who eats everything.
1: Do you feel grown up now? Do you feel good? Have you reached that point yet?
0: No, probably not. I don't think, I think if you're a comic, you never really... Yeah. Feel grown up, but do you think
1: anyone does?
0: Huh. I mean, yeah. people act like they do. Yeah. People act like they've got their shit together.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if I trust it. I don't think they do.
0: But no, I don't think they do either, and I think that's a really important mental shift to make. Like when you're panicking about like, oh god, I don't know what to do in this situation. What am I going to do? You know, this feels like chaos. It's just remember that everyone else feels like that as well. No one's got their shit together and it's really funny imagining that with all the people who seem like they do yeah like when someone's really like you've got to do this 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 is what I'm doing I've got a whole plan and just imagine them and just go yeah you don't you're going home you're panicking so much
1: (laughs) you do feel I had a I keep uh, what's it called I have like a direct debit it's like 21 pounds it goes out every month and I cannot for the life of me figure out what it is (laughs) And I can and I, uh, I look back and I go, and I just cannot and so I end up calling the company. Yeah. And they were like, well, what's your security answer? And I was like, well, what's the security question? And they're mm. like, well, we can't tell you. And I was like, but how am I meant to know the answer? I can't remember what this. I can I could have <laughs> yeah. had this for years. And I and he kept being like, well, you have to say the answer. And I was like, but I don't know the, you, And I was like, you're a human being. We must be able to communicate about this. Like, understand my position. I oh, don't God. know what I'm calling you about. And he was like, well, now you've failed to answer the. The, so I was like, oh, my first dog was called Blah, my first robocall. And he was like, So Whoa. you're just running through all the yeah, traditional Yeah, just everything, like My mother's <laughs> maiden name is... And eventually he went, well, now you failed to answer the... And I was like, well, cool. well, what can we do then? He was like, well, you have to call up again and then go through this again. And I was like, but I don't know what... I'm going to find out what I'm paying. So you didn't even so know what
0: the company I was doing? I don't know what it is. You still don't?
1: I think I have a, a hunch now, but now I need to go back. Now I have a, a number.
0: Right, But it okay. was just
1: this, this, like talking to a person. And I was like... We're both technically adults, probably. Can we just please... Can we agree that this is
0: something that's happened? (laughs)
1: Why does this have to be so difficult? (laughs)
0: What what could that be? Can you not cancel the direct debit and then just wait? I did,
1: and now I get, like, threatening emails being like, you have to pay, and I'm like, but tell me what I'm paying for. I'm sure it's really important. Are
0: you now just waiting for, like, the lights or the water to go off? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'd be like, sending that oh, yeah, thank God, that That's was what it, it was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they come to collect something. What, what are you collecting? What is it I'm paying off? The washing
0: I know, I machine. think oh, I like that. It, that surely, I don't think that ends. Like I'd say once a year, I have a big admin based panic. And that's how I work out what I need to be doing. Yeah. So yeah. n- I never have everything sorted out. Like, I'll just have a huge panic. I'll run around. I'll, like, I'll be so annoyed. I'll be calling my fiancé going, this is ridiculous. This is so typical of me. I don't know what's going on. And then I'll sort it out. And I'll be like, well, that's life nailed then. <laughs> and then 12 months later, something else will go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I've just got a list of things that I've never done properly. And then when they go wrong, I tick them off.
1: Do you think, do you think that food still gives you the feeling of control, like being an adult? What being like
0: trying things and... Yeah, this
1: still adds something to your feeling of this is something the adults do.
0: No, I think it's different now because I'm so into it. I'm so into food that now when I talk to people about food who have a more sort of normal approach to eating, I feel like a wanker. So I'm like, no, you must try this restaurant actually. (laughs) I'll go, no, 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 why are you cooking it like that? Such a dick.
1: (laughs) I think you don't come across as that.
0: I'm constantly it's a constant battle to keep edit, that. Yeah, edit. yeah, yeah, I can be really pretentious about stuff like that.
1: But what what's, what, do you, how do you, what's the part of food that you value? Because that's different as well from yeah. person to person, right?
0: I like discovering new things about food, but I mean, it's, I like cooking as well, but, you know, barely get any time to do it. Um, I mean, obviously, like, just taste and excite, exciting mouthfeel and all of that sort of bullshit. Like, I enjoy all of that. But I really like creating food i like finding new places i like discovering new things it's very comforting like yeah all all aspects of it really but i like chatting to people i like recommending things but in a hopefully non-pretentious way
1: I don't know, it doesn't come across as pretentious good yeah no i had to think i was like have i ever no i haven't thought of you pretentious. but i
0: can so i can listen back to episodes of off menu uh where people say something and I know that what they're saying is either wrong or I know some extra information about it and I can hear myself not correct them mm,
1: yeah.
0: or be like um, oh that sounds good I'll, I'll, I'll check that out because I don't want to be that guy <laughs> I don't want to food-splain <laughs> which is not a snappy phrase but I don't want to do it
1: so you ending up having a, your own podcast where that is what you're doing Yeah, you have a guest and they don't yeah. speak at all you just correct them
0: right sit there <laughs> And listen to what I think.
1: <laughs> Director's commentary yeah. on your own podcast. <laughs> and this let's pause it there. This is what I didn't say. <laughs> so you when you started comedy, you were you were larger than you are now, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like that when we met.
0: Yeah, so that would have been mm, like
1: 11 or 12 yeah, or so,
0: something. So I probably lost a lot of weight in 2012, probably. Yeah, probably 2011-2012.
1: So you must have seen like, you must have really experienced the difference between living, like, in a larger body and then the way yeah. like now. Did you were you now. Were you aware of the things that were different?
0: Kind of. I mean, I'm always very careful talking about this because I, I think it's obviously different for men and women as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think when I was a larger man, I was just like, ah, he's the fun, the fun fat guy. And I kind of didn't, I didn't mind that. I've certainly got no real bad memories from when i was bigger like i certainly didn't do it because i was like so sad or anything i just did it because you know i wanted to get on top of the diabetes stuff which means changing your diet a lot and you end up losing a lot of weight as a result of that um and on a purely scientific level the less insulin you take insulin kind of puts on weight as well and so then when i sorted my diet out and stuff the amounts of insulin are reduced and then you end up losing weight So I did notice some differences, I mean, but they're just they're purely sort of very basic differences of more people seem to find you attractive, like, which is a kind of very weird, which is a very weird feeling. Uh, Did I get I I don't think I got more work because I'd lost weight, but I think I just naturally got better at comedy anyway, because it was over time. I did, get an, I did get an acting job, actually. I did a series called Almost Royal. Um, but because I just looked so sort of basic, posh man, that I was perfect for that part then. But not a, hu- not a huge amount of, of difference, really. Did I don't it
1: change think. how you thought? It? You said that more people find you attractive. Did you find yourself more attractive as well? Did, that, did, it, did it give you a confidence boost or did you never? Yeah, I think
0: it did. And I think it's probably because naturally, I think my confidence is tied into how other people view me as well. Um, I just think that's how people are wired these days. Like, so I think if people start saying to you enough, oh, you, you've lost weight, and then tying that in with you look great, then it just naturally you start to get that sort of,
1: mm. that endorphin
0: rush of like, you feel a bit more, you start feeling your oats. Yeah. You start feeling a bit, a bit more yeah. confident. Yeah. Um, and the
1: other way around, when people tell you that you look like a piece of shit all the time, exactly. you are naturally a bit sad. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, I definitely got a confidence boost. I definitely, you know, and, you know, I, I love clothes as well. And so the other difference was I could just walk in anywhere and, and buy some clothes. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that before. And obviously it changed my material as well. I used to talk about being big quite a lot. And then I'd sort of, then I could talk about losing weight. And then I lost that angle as well because it was, then it was too long. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've got to talk about being diabetic. And I've, now I've done that to fucking death. I've got I've got to find something else.
1: Is that the same show you're touring now? Is that the one that went on? Was it Prime? Or yeah,
0: like so it's there's there's crossover. So I, I talk a lot about being diabetic and uh, and people's reaction to it. And, yeah, and then about my dad's cat as well. But It's <laughs> a
1: really good... Like, oh, pe- thank you. People who won't be able to see you on social, go on... Is this Amazon, Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime, yeah. Go and see it. On Prime Video, what's yeah. What's
0: it called? Uh, blood Sugar.
1: It's really funny. Thank you. It's Cheers. really, really funny. Thank you. And you, you. do I'm manage to take it. a topic that's people haven't really heard jokes about. Yeah. <laughs> and make it really funny.
0: Yeah, I try and ex- I try and explain it a bit but then also get to the funny stuff as quickly as possible. People seem to like other I get now I think I've really cornered the diabetic market.
1: Yeah. You're, you're lo- the yeah. the diabetic. Yeah. Comedian. I'm
0: the diabetic comedian and I used to have a joke at the beginning of the show's life where I would say I can't do diabetic comedy because it's only ever one diabetic or no diabetics here in the audience and that always worked. So if there was no diabetic... I'd say, give me a cheer you your diabetics, and there was none in, it would get a massive laugh. And if there was one in, it would take the roof off. But now it's minimum five.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Huge groups. Wow. Like, actual, like...
1: And is that because they like... There's just about people being diabetic or do they seek you out now? No,
0: they, they seek me oh. out. So it, it's just got, it's got around. No, it's not. It's, it's not because the conditions spread. Um, no, it's, they come and seek, they come and seek me out. And like, it's Aww. got around on like Facebook groups and stuff as well, I think. So there's a bit more of a community of, so I have people coming uh, a few nights ago. I had like a big group of parents of type one diabetic children who were all in like an online support group. And they obviously said, oh, Ed's Ed's coming to town, we should go and see him. And it's great.
1: That's so sweet. Yeah, it's
0: really nice. It feels really nice.
1: Is it something that you felt? Like when you got the... It's like a diagnosis, right? Did you... I I mean, I don't even... Despite having watched the show, I don't even think I know enough about it to really know how I would feel in that situation. I would go, is this a... Is is it scary? Is it a...
0: I don't know, because I don't think I fully... They explained it to me. So I was 13... They explained it to me, but I don't think I fully realized the the size of what I had to deal with. The fact that you, you only really come to terms with the... It's very difficult to understand that you're going to have something for the rest of your life, I think. Especially mm. when you're a teenager. Because you don't think that far ahead. You're not like, oh, I'm going to have that when I'm 40. But like, I'll be dead by the time I'm 40. <laughs> um, so the magnitude of it is difficult to capture. But... Uh, I think I understand it more now but I think when I, I think when you're a teenager you're like I just want to be normal so I'll sort of do what I have to but I didn't really look after it properly and,
1: and what does it, looking after it mean? well what I did the basics
0: so you know I, I didn't have to go to you know some people don't look after it to the extent they end up in hospital they end up in a coma you know so basic, uh, on the basic level it means that when I eat food normally uh, a pancreas would release insulin to make sure that the blood sugar level in the body is a sort of standard range, but my pancreas is gone. doesn't work. It's still there. It's just dead. Uh, so when I, eat, I have to sort of calculate how much insulin I should inject to try and maintain a range. Right. Um, and it's the thing is, it's, you can't have a standard routine because you eat different things every day. I'd want to at least, you know, I could eat the same things every day and but God, God, yeah. that's not a life. Just fuel. Yeah. Just fuel. Yeah. Um, so i could do that but and then just so many environmental factors stress affects it weather affects it so it's just it's a it's like a 24 hour job of trying to trying to keep a balance and i don't think i realized that when i was diagnosed what i would do is just give a load of insulin eat a load of food and that's probably having running very high blood sugar levels mm. which isn't ideal but then i really so it was probably only just after i after i lost weight i also then i smoked as well and i was like well i've lost a bit of weight why not why not address some other areas within my life as well? So I gave up smoking, uh, cut down on my boozing and then, uh, and then thought, well, let's look at the blood sugar situation and try and get that under control as well.
1: So it's yeah. sort of made you really turn the focus in on you and like,
0: yeah. And, and it's take
1: it, more care of, be more, aware, be more aware of you.
0: Yeah, I think so. And also it was a, it was just a, uh, just realizing that I didn't have to do all of that because it was the thing that you're supposed to do or, mm. Or people say you need to be healthy, whatever that means, or you know. But it made me realise that I actually feel better mm. if I look after those things. And surely we should all just strive to feel. That should be the yeah, aim, yeah, right? Yeah, but feel that's, nice. it. that's <laughs> why the
1: whole idea of clean eating and all these like ideas yeah. of getting food to be everything to do with morality and mm-hmm. you know health and all these uh, and attractiveness and thinness and whatever. Because I remember I got Goldbladder stone. 2012 or something. Mm-hmm. And I had, they were like, oh, you have to have remove your, your gallbladder and that'll take some time. And I was like, I don't have time. <laughs> I have open mics to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, well, until the operation, uh, what do I need to eat to not make it worse? And they just gave me this basically vegetables, nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, right, I'll just do that because I don't have time to get surgery. Yeah. And then suddenly all this, you know, only eating vegetables, which used to be. You do that so you can become yeah. thin and worthy and beautiful. Now it was because I need to work and I really don't want to. I don't yeah. have time to lie in a hospital. So it's, it shifted in my head. So now mm-hmm. I was eating vegetables for the reason of, oh, I don't want that pain again. Yeah,
0: it's for yourself. It's not yeah. for anyone else. And I could like, fi-
1: like physically feel, I don't have gallbladder stuff. Yeah, yeah. This feels great. Yeah. <laughs> More vegetables. Nom, 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 nom. And I think that's, that's a real shift because suddenly it had nothing to do with... yeah. Morality and feeling bad and guilt and
0: shame and all these other things. Yeah, totally. I think it's that's all, that's all my aim is really is just to feel feel good and just feel happy about stuff. So like yeah, like I say, not going to have a pizza now, even though I like the taste of it, because I'll feel like shit later, and I know that. But I no, will have one tomorrow instead. But I just know what what makes me feel good yeah, and you know, what and I, I enjoy in certain situations. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's the other thing. I think being type one because there's, there's such an uncontrollable element in it in that I need to look after one element of my health, you realize what impacts your body how. So I can sort of decide how I feel on, on, on that day. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm not I'm not, not eating things because I'm like, mm, it's, it's supposed to be unhealthy or whatever. It's just because I know how I feel when I eat certain things. Because so. you're
1: forced to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think totally. a lot of people are so just disconnected from yeah. their bodies because yeah. it's all about what you, you sure. know, attractiveness and health and like things you're thinking and yeah not, it's very rare that you it's like you say to a child eat your vegetables because yeah. that's what you do or yeah you know f- eat, finish everything's on your plate because that's polite or it's never how do you feel do yeah. you feel full do you feel what do you feel like eating it's always just
0: it's a it's mad because yeah i used to just i used to binge eat and it was never like i don't think it was connected to any emotion it was just i like all of these things and i like all of these things now and every day please um, but when I didn't do that, I was like, fuck, what, what's going on here? I feel, I feel great. And that should, that should be the aim, right? But then on one day, if, I, if I'm like, I want, all, I want all of those things, I know I probably won't feel great afterwards, but I'll enjoy it in the moment. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to take that hit. It's just knowing the different, how you react to different things, I think. So
1: do you, did, did you... Uh, there are different ways you can binge eat, of course. Mm-hmm. But did you binge eat... So when I binge ate... Does that yeah right? <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, it would be so much that it like almost physically wasn't possible like right. now when I no longer have the compulsion, that amount of food would just be physically impossible for me to eat because my body's like no yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah it, it was almost like a crushing every like you'd feel numb afterwards because you just it was so <sighs> stuffed
0: yeah i mean i I think I just had i and I still have a huge appetite and huge capacity to eat loads of food and i'll just keep going um but now I, t- I tend to i'll take like a i'll take a 20 minute break and then my body will catch up with me <laughs> um but i just used to like it you know in, in between leaving university and starting comedy full-time like i had jobs but then sometimes you know i'd have full days off but just going by like you know go to every place for lunch like go to Greg's go to the deli go somewhere else get a packet of biscuits a massive bag of food and just go home and eat it all and I don't remember ever feeling bad about that
1: (laughs) The dream, dream I know I genuinely just
0: remember thinking this is brilliant yeah this is awesome no one's telling me that I can't do this I'm just really really enjoying it but then I think you, you, that's your base feeling then, is being that full and eating that amount of food and diabetically feeling terrible. And you don't realise you're feeling terrible because you just feel like that all the time. And when you make uh, sort of effort to shift away from that, you're like, oh no, okay, there is a better way to feel.
1: Uh, so you're engaged. I'm engaged, Congratulations. Yes. Thank you very much. We, and you've been together for quite a long time. I yeah. say, just knowing you from yeah, nine, Instagram. nine years. Wow.
0: Nine years. So it would be 10 years next june but we're getting married in april so just before wow. our 10th anniversary yeah how do you feel great i'm so happy yeah yeah like it's
1: she's I, so wonderful
0: she's brilliant and honestly like i feel really lucky like seeing you know because I, I met her and sort of how'd you meet uh through sort of through sort of comedy tv stuff she was working she works in tv now but she was just starting out in tv really um yeah, through uh, through a mutual friend who worked at TV. But yeah, no, it's it's great. Like, I feel lucky because I'm, I was like, I had girlfriends before and like, you know, dallied and dabbled. <laughs> yeah. But never fully committed to something or, you know, just the university and the school, just, you know, the odd thing here and there. But then I met her and I was like, well, why not? You know, let's see, let's open up and see what happens. And it turns out we absolutely hit the jackpot and people don't people don't get that. <laughs> it's true. People don't get that. And I feel hugely lucky. But uh yeah, it's great.
1: And are you a good well, fiance, boyfriend, partner?
0: I mean I think so. What's I think... the
1: secret? Like nine years, what's the you must get that a lot, of people being like, How, how?
0: Yeah, but I don't know. I mean maybe she's the <laughs> she's the secret. She's great. <laughs> um I don't think I'd ever say I'm good a good Boyfriend or fiancé or future husband. I think it's constant learning process.
1: Husband. How do you feel about that word?
0: Great. I feel really yeah? good. Yeah?
1: Your husband material.
0: Yeah. It's it's funny. I, I find it funny yeah. as a word. Like, wife is such a stupid word as
1: well. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: really enjoying getting used to saying, like, wife. Because it's so outdated.
1: It's also the adults, right? Yeah. The adults are husband It probably, It
0: probably is. But also, it's just... It's so funny and it's so outdated that it's come back round, and I'm sort of almost saying it in a fun, sort of ironic way. Yeah. And I'm very committed to uh, to Charlie and our marriage, but I find going my my wife. Also, I know so many people who are married, like comics who are married, who who can't say my wife without doing a Barra impression.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think
0: <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen has ruined the word wife.
1: And you also can't. You can never talk about it on stage without audience automatically assume
0: yeah. you're about to slack them off. Yeah, My yeah, wife, oh, what yeah. are you going to say about your wife my now? My bloody wife. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no I, can't, I can't wait to get married. That's so exciting. Yeah. And I never thought, I was never a marriage guy. I never would have been like, I'm going to get married. That's definitely what's going to happen. I don't really, I don't, I believe in my marriage. I don't, I don't believe in marriage. In
1: general. Yeah. Are your parents together? They no. Together? So
0: they, they split up when I was four. So I guess that's probably why I've never been like, Got to, got to get married because I, I saw one not work really. Yeah. But you know, you, you meet the right person, you're like, no, this, this is going to be the good one. This is when marriage gets completed.
1: That's <laughs> you learn, don't you? Yeah, exactly. You see what also, a marriage can still work and be functioning and successful, but then also end at some point. Yeah. Of but course. that doesn't mean that the time it worked. Wasn't... Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I, I am a product of that marriage. I feel like I'm all right. So, <laughs> so you can't be too angry at their marriage. Um, yeah, now I've got, I've got a half brother and half sister, and you know, I get on very well with both my mum and dad and my stepmum. So, and it yeah. wasn't
1: like a traumatic
0: no, they were great, they were I think they're they both very sensible people, and like, yeah, there was not arguments or anything, it was all
1: I guess that's also sensible. a healthy way of seeing. Like one thing is seeing something function, yeah, which you could argue is sort of easy in a way, but watching something kind of collapse, yeah, but in a the way it's meant to collapse. Yeah. That must also teach yeah. quite and a lot about how to handle people's feelings and conflict. and Totally.
0: And people dealing with things the right way and thinking, and getting their priorities right. And there's loads of people out there whose parents are still together, but it's probably messed them up way more than if they'd yeah. got divorced at the right time. So Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So, there's a question I was asking the podcast, which is, <clears throat> what question would you most want for me to ask you? Hmm. You must have done a lot of interviews where yeah. you're like, ugh, oh, that question again.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously all the uh, old questions that get yeah. trotted out. Like,
1: Where do you find your... <sighs>
0: I mean, I'm, I think I'm done with local, local oh, radio. Because no one wants... It's not helping. No one's ever no listened one to a comedian to yeah. on like, BBC Somerset and then thought, I think I'm going to go and see their show tonight.
1: <laughs> it seems
0: like they get their crazy ideas from some, somewhere great.
1: I was meant to go on London Live tomorrow and I was like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Who was it who was being inter- I mean, no, you know, no shade on London Live, but um, someone was being interviewed on London Live and then uh, found out that at that moment, London Live had zero viewers. <laughs> it's just such a waste of time. Oh, God. So what question would I want yeah. to be asked? I mean, I, do, I think any, any pre-planned question quite a lot of the time, is just quite awkward because it's quite a false thing. Whereas I much prefer this sort of format. And I know you've got you've got questions, but you're good at you, you've sewn them all into the chat. <laughs> so it just feels like a, a you know a, a freewheeling chat. So any pre-planned question, I always feel a bit like oh god, now I've got to answer that. And as soon as you start panicking about what the answer is going to be, then the answer's ne- never going to be real, is it? Um, I love I loved, I've loved all your questions. Sophie. Thank you. I can't think of any extra questions. So will...
1: anything in. Anything that you really want Because I think that's... I often have these. you know, you, you'll be watching a TV show or you'll be in the middle of figuring something out in your head and then you get asked questions about a show you did three years ago and you're just going, oh, I really want you to ask me about The, the Bake Off or <laughs> something that you're just like, you never get to talk about or you never really get to say or something you're really passionate about right now. Maybe you're picking out a cake for your wedding and you just want to talk about...
0: Well... We have we've we've talked about cakes for the wedding. We've had little tasters through. Very. I mean, this is you know we're a great couple, but we do we do part ways on a few issues. I want peanut butter involved in one of the cakes for the wedding.
1: Yeah, she's not. She's not not on board. Yeah, she just doesn't like it. It's not like she's has an allergy or anything.
0: Oh, you know, yeah, she's hugely allergic. (laughs) She'll she'll die if it's even in the atmosphere. But it's my wedding as well. (laughs) You know, a lot of people forget that it's all. The entire wedding industry is geared towards the bride. It's called bride it's the bridal industry, really. Yeah. And I'm just supposed to stand in the background looking like a lemon. There's no groomsilla. There's no exactly. But apparently I'm not allowed to endanger her health with a peanut cake. <laughs> I mean we're 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 loving all of that stuff. That's great. Um, I mean I get I often get to talk about my passions anyway, because Like, I mean, I mentioned that everything I eat is geared towards making me feel nice. My entire career, I just want to do things that I enjoy. Because as soon as I have one element of not enjoying something, I'll be rubbish.
1: That's interesting.
0: Like, straight away, I can't can't feign enjoyment at something. So everything I've done, like the food podcast uh, and uh, the radio show that I'm doing and everything in my stand-up, and it's all geared towards my enjoyment. And I think... What's great as a comic sometimes is if you've got extra interests, people love hearing about that, and they love it when you feed that back into, back into what you're doing. So I'm doing another sort of... I can't say exactly what it is, but I'm doing like a heavy metal-based podcast as well. Because most of the time, I either want to talk about food or heavy metal. That's, that's, that's what I love.
1: Well, we've talked about food, so what is it with heavy metal?
0: I've, I've loved metal since I was 13, and... It is a phase that will never end, like, and it started off as a proper phase because it was in 1999 and uh, it was the days of new metal, so Limp Biscuit, Slipknot, Corn, sort of proper, like, teenage angst stuff. <clears throat> and I loved that, and then everyone that sort of fell away, and everyone else fell away from that. And I was like, Where are you going, guys? I love that, I love this, I'm gonna keep going. Still and I works. just, yeah, I just kept investing. Kept investigating it and kept, and it's there's so many layers to it. There's so many genres that span off from it. It's just as soon as you get into a rabbit hole, I get obsessed with stuff. I'm a very obsessive person. As soon as I decide I'm going to do something, that's it. I've just got into pans. Like we'll talk about this, cast iron skillets, right?
1: Cast iron skillet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a skillet, the one where there's little.
0: No, that's a, like a grill pan, okay. but I bought one of those as well. Okay,
1: cool, good. So Just I'm check. trying to
0: do more cooking, because yeah, I yeah. really yeah. enjoyed it. I made bowel buns from scratch the other day.
1: Bowel buns? Bowel
0: buns, not bowel oh, ba- buns.
1: <laughs> Thank God.
0: Yeah. Bowel, bowel buns. Bowel buns,
1: okay, yeah, 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 uh, really soft.
0: Yeah, and I'd never yeah. baked anything before, but I did, had a day, so I was like, I'm going to do the dough, I'm going to let it prove, I'm going to roll it out, I'm gonna, and then I bought a little oriental steam thing. Oh, perfect, yeah. And then, do, yeah, steamed them. Love that. So then I thought, I'm going to get myself a cast iron skillet, and then I think before a tour show, I spent two hours watching YouTube videos on how to look after them properly.
1: <laughs> that's good.
0: Yeah, but I get, I get mad about stuff and my fiance is just constantly like, oh God, here we go, another thing. Because she knows she's going to come back and there's going to be like new stuff everywhere. <laughs> I go, sit down, I'm going to cook you something in the cast iron skillet. And that'll be for like a year and then I'll pick something else.
1: Well, that's good. I, I, yeah. I, I do that.
0: Yeah? yeah, I think you sort of, I think a lot of comedians are like that.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard to do this job if you're not Yeah. willing to be very, very focused on one thing for a long time. Yeah, you exactly. You can't really get distracted and then...
0: I think once, to get into comedy, to make it your job, you have to be obsessed with it, I think. I mean, now, comedy's probably not my obsession at the moment, because I've got a show that I'm touring, I know it's good, and I can do it, I can do it with my eyes shut, really. Um but, but when it comes to writing a new show, I think I'll probably have to put the cast iron skillet down and start getting obsessed with words again.
1: Do you know what it's going to be? No. You don't never know. You know. Want to talk about.
0: I've never done that thing. I'm always very impressed when people are like, I know what my next show is. I know what it's going to be about. Like, what do you mean? You haven't written it yet. How do you That's know? such
1: a nice thing to say. And you can and you mean it 100% when you do say it. But then you do like your first work in progress and you're like... Huh?
0: Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> well, no, I was wrong. <laughs> well,
1: I can't just tell them my idea and then they laugh. They have to have jokes and stuff. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> like, I always just, I just start writing, and it tends to be chunks anyway. I tend to do, like, you know, I had that big diabetic chunk in this show and then I've got a big chunk at the end about my dad's cat. And a, uh, and then, you know, it's, and, I, and I've long given up the trying to stitch those together to make <laughs> yeah. it sound like a full show. yeah. Like I'm in awe of people who can write a full show, who can sit down and go, this is what this show's about and it's all going to join up and it's all going to be seamless and I'm going to come to a conclusion at the end. Never been able to do that. And for a while I did the worst version of that, which was write how I wanted to, do all these different stories and different bits and then try and Mm. sort of like crowbar them together like it's a thing. But that would never get to Edinburgh. It would always be in preview stage. And I'd be like, I think this show's about... A lot of comedians will do this. They'll go, my show this year is about identity. It's like, yeah, because all shows Everything, are about identity. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a person talking about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Everything's about identity. Um, and now I don't, even, I don't even do proper links anymore, really. You
1: just start on your bit.
0: If I can just go like, so I've got a link from a story about the Edinburgh Dungeon into a story about my dad. And I go, my dad used to take me to the London Dungeon. Here's a story about my dad. <laughs> Not even trying to hide Not it. Not even. Yeah. <laughs> no point point. and audiences dungeons,
1: don't, my dad. yeah
0: audiences don't
1: care no no no
0: no. they really don't care we get so in our heads about Edinburgh yeah and now just oh, I, don't, I don't care now and the audiences don't care now I just go up and just try and make them laugh as much as possible because that's what I'm good at and that's what I enjoy and as soon as I start trying to go and what I learn is people can see in my eyes I'm going I hate myself <laughs> I hate myself for trying to Why say that crying? I'm this guy yeah <laughs> you can see the onion behind the curtain <laughs>
1: So the last question I was asking on the podcast is this. And it's usually a question, uh, well, it's usually asked to people with a lot of trauma. (laughs) So I think it'll just be quite nice. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So
1: um, you're in the delivery room Mm -hmm. and you've just been born. Right. And you right now are holding yourself as a baby. So it's tiny little Ed Gamble and he's crying because he was just in the womb. It was all nice and warm and comforted. Oh, it's just so lovely. And now he's out. And there's lights and sounds everywhere, and it's very terrifying. And he's looking at you like, "What the fuck? Is this life? Is this just going to be like a bunch of lights and sounds and oh, everywhere?" And you know what? The from then on until now in his life is going to be like. So you can say something to him. You can't change anything. You can't ch- No advice or anything that that won't work. But you can answer him when he's like, "What the fuck is life?" So what would you say to teeny tiny baby you?
0: I'd say it's this all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's this. All of the time, but um, learn to find what you enjoy in it. And you'll probably be all right. It's me- broadly seven out of ten. <laughs> but it's worth it for the ten out of tens to have the five out of tens. That's what I'd say.
1: What's that the larger you learned yeah. than philosophy? Yeah
0: yeah, 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 yeah. It's the philosophy of the average. That's what <laughs> You're gonna, It's going to be all right, mate. Yeah. And you don't, do say. you
1: still need to be told that? Uh,
0: I'm good at telling myself that, I think. I don't... I mean... Yeah, I think I'm pretty good at telling myself that. I used to I used to panic about stuff if something was going wrong and be like, well, that's that then. This is typical of me. It's all going to go shit. But now I think I can go, ah, it'll probably work itself out. Just do what you can and there's some things you can't control and you'll be fine.
1: Thank you so much for doing this.
0: Thank you for Where can me. people
1: find all of your... Podcasts and everything you do.
0: If you go onto Ed Gamble Comedy on Twitter and Instagram, uh, or go onto my website, edgamble.co.uk, it's normally all on there. Or uh, the podcast's called Off Menu, that's on all the podcast places. I do a radio show with Matthew Crosby as well on Radio X, and that's podcasted, and that's on all the normal podcast places.
1: And is that this called?
0: That's called Ed Gamble and Matthew Crosby because we have to get up very early on a Sunday to do it live and no one listens live and then they all listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's very frustrating and I'm very tired on a Sunday. Jesus.
1: <laughs> and social media, you had Gamble. All this
0: standard yeah. social media stuff, yeah. It's okay. all it's all fine. Wonderful.
1: Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. No Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget that if you want to hear Ed answer some extra questions, some fun questions about some of the most embarrassing things that he has done, some of the biggest mistakes you made as a teenager, fun stuff like that, um, go to patreon.com forward slash Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, and uh, sign up, become a a patron of the podcast, and you get a ton of extra uh, little clips with some of the guests. Not always all of them, but most of them. I'll say 90% of them, if not 99% of them, uh, depending on, God, numbers. I'm not going to redo this. I'm not going to not going to redo this recording because I will just keep pressing stop and then restarting it again, but I'm also not going to ramble. So what I will just say is thank you to the people who are patrons uh, and the people who give $5 or more per episode, uh, special friends of the podcast and their names. I will read out loud at the end, which is now. So I want to say a massive thank you to Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker, uh, Anya Knoblauch, Autumn Blue Sky, Barry Norton, Caitlin Cat Posse, Cherry Winter. <laughs> then we have um, Chunky Yet Funky. <laughs> Claire McCowlin, Danny Beckett, Danny Reifersheet, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Privacy, Privacyosaurus, Aurora Terratops, Uh Gillian Davidson, Gillian's new. Welcome, Gillian. Gillian Davidson. Grace Ann, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Her- Van Dyke, uh, Harry Minot, Minute. Ida Sergolasen, Josie, Kathleen Gulmanson. Oh, sorry for messing it up today. Uh, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katy Travis, Katie Travis, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, uh, Chrissy Nicholson, Lily and Harry French. Oh, I was looking for the weird thing that Lily and Harry French always call themselves something weird, but now they've gone back to just their regular names. That is very exciting. I'm also suspicious. Uh, Then we have M Dash, then we have Maeve Houlihan. Maeve Houlihan, hmm, that's weird, I don't remember saying your name before, but I can see you've been a supporter for a while, welcome Maeve, Oh, if you've changed your name and I haven't noticed it yet, Um, oh, interesting, welcome Maeve, Marie Fraser, Maketa Dubalova, Megan Roberts, Tiggerific, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Fene, uh, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, and that is the one to... Three Rachels: Rachel, Rachel Ebenheim, Rachel Ferdy, Rachel Phillips. Then we have Ragdoll, uh, Rianne Rivers, Robert Knowles, Robin Campbell, Russell Hughes, Sarah Farah, Icasith, Sarah L. A., <gasps> Sarah Brasel, and Sarah Pluma. We have four Sarahs. Oh my god! Oh my god! We have a winner! <gasps> we have a winner! We have four Sarahs: Sarah Farah, Icasith, Sarah L. A., or Allett, Sarah Brasel, and Sarah Pluma. That's four. Oh my god! Oh my God, three Rachels, four Sarahs. Oh my God. This is huge. We've not had this before. Sarah, Brazel, you have showed up and you have and I can, I can I can see Sarah's email address and that is also with the name Sarah in it. So it's not someone who's changed their name to Sarah to win on behalf of all the Sarahs. This is an actual Sarah. Wow, so Sarah's in the lead. Is anyone gonna are we gonna have an extra Rachel to make it even? Is that what's going to happen? I mean, this is exciting. I mean, okay, I don't know why I'm... This is huge for me. I don't know if you, if anyone has been as... I don't even know if people are still listening when I'm doing these names. But essentially, I think this is amazing. I'm just going to say that. Anyways, we also have an equally important, <laughs> equally important people. Victoria Greer, Susie Tyler, and Victoria Layton. Um, you can see that I've, I forgot Susie Tyler, so I put Susie in between the two Victorias. But you, you knew damn well that was not the alphabetical order. <laughs> I have now, um, I think, lost it. So I think I'm just going to uh, let you go now. Do go and sign up for Patreon because it means the absolute world to me. And uh, make sure to tweet at Gamble and thank him for being on the podcast because um, I'm always happy when people say yes to me. And he is so, so lovely. So thank you to Ed Gamble. Thank you to Dave Pickering for editing this episode. Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle. And to Justine McNichol for the logo. Thank you to uh, the Soho Theatre for letting me record these episodes there. This podcast was produced by Dying Alone Limited. I will speak to you next week. Bye.